Praise God. We're, when we're talking about physical wholeness, we're actually taking everything that we've been preaching and, and kind of summing everything up in this time because your physical wholeness has to do with your, your mental and emotional wholeness as well. Matter of fact, it plays a huge part in, in your uh, ability to be well, uh, your ability to function, how you feel, uh, whether you can function properly or not. Your, how your mind functions, um, you know, the, the, the effect that uh, uh, chemicals have on our mind and on our body. We are chemical beings. Everything, everything is transferred through chemicals and through uh, neurons and through electric uh, impulses. And, you know, it's, it's just all, all God made us that way. And we need to understand that. We also need to understand that, that the chemical balances in our body can be changed by what we build in our minds and our emotions. If you're emotionally distraught, if you're emotionally hurt, if you're emotionally injured, injured you will suffer all types of mental and physical um, problems. But God has brought an answer for that. Amen. Jesus come to heal the brokenhearted. He came to sit at liberty those who are bruised. Praise God. And, and uh, he, he is our our healer. Say this when they, uh, third John verse two, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. First Peter two twenty four, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. Oh, thank God. Well, I don't, I don't know if we got hit by lightning this week or what, but we've got, we had a lot of things that didn't come on this morning when we got here. So uh, we, we, we're trying to make everything work. Praise God. Physical wholeness. Declaration. Say this with me. In Christ, I have been delivered from all sicknesses, diseases, and infirmities. I am healed, and health is restored to my mortal body. Amen. Praise God. Need to be saying this every day and getting this in your heart because it's a powerful thing. I pray, I'll go through a whole list of things when I'm praying over myself and, uh, and my physical body. And a lot, of, a lot of mornings, I just simply go through a whole list and say, Father, I thank you that dementia and Alzheimer's cannot affect my brain today because I am healed. I thank you, God, that arthritis and, 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 and uh, joint conditions is gone. I am purged from all types of uh, joint conditions today because you have healed me. God, I thank you, God, that you have given me strength in my body. You have given me, you have, you have cleansed my body of all cancer, of all autoimmune disease. I just go through a whole list like that and declare my body to be healed and uh, thank God for that. Amen. Praise God. It's, it's awesome. I, uh, I went to the dentist the other day and they was wanting to know what all prescription medicine I was on and I just kept saying, no, I'm not on any, I'm not on any, I'm not on any. And uh, the, the young lady said, uh, at your age, that's a little unusual. I'm not sure what she was meaning there, but... I don't feel that old. <laughs> I used to think the 60 was really old, but now I, th I think, wow, this is young. You know? I remember when my father-in-law turned 60, he was sitting at the table, dinner table, and, and uh, 
thought they was talking about hunting and and uh my nephew spoke up and talking about a guy that was 60 years old climbed up in a tree fell out of the tree and broke his hip and and the statement was made and this is my father-in-law just turned 60 and the statement was made what's a 60 year old man got doing up in a tree anyway and it just got quiet at the table and everybody looked at Earl and, and he said well I'm 60 I think I can still climb a tree But she said, at your age, it's unusual for not to be on any, any medications. And, and I just thank God for that because it's not because my body hadn't failed me at different times. It's because of the healing power of Jesus, because of his sustaining power. It's because of what he's done for me. Amen. I, I have no special, special assignment that gives me rights to health, but I have a word that gives me rights to the health and healing of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I've been, I've been healed of, of disorders. I've been healed of injuries. I've been healed of sicknesses. I've been healed of all kinds of things. And thank God for that. And they're gone. Praise God. They no longer affect me. That's, it's, it's the grace and, and, and mercy of God. Amen. You don't qualify. You can't qualify for this. Amen. You don't qualify for this. You don't qualify as a pastor. Matter of fact, I told you a couple of weeks ago that pastors are, are the most sick and depressed people on the planet, which is a shame, absolute shame, because we live in the greatest thing that, that God has ever, ever done. I mean, we, we're representing the amazing grace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. One of the reasons because a lot of pastors take it on themselves to try to be the answer. We are not the answer. We are, we are, we are a sign that's pointing to the answer. Amen. He is Jesus Christ. And he is here. He's able. Praise God. All right. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 5. Where we was at last week. Book of Luke chapter 5. Starting verse 17. Thank God for his word. It sustains us. Chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day. As he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We talked about that last week. The power of the Lord, the ability, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down uh, with his bed through the tiling into the midst of Jesus, uh, before Jesus. It's hard to understand that unless you've been in foreign countries where, where you can actually take the roof off. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to re reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, 
and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Amen. We have seen strange things today. That, I, I want people to leave this house saying, we have seen strange things today. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't mind people saying we're strange and peculiar because God didn't call us to fit in. He called us to stand out. He called us to be distinct. He called us to bring an answer to the problems that people are trying to fix on their own but can't fix on their own. God called us to stand out. Amen. Stop trying to blend in. You can't blend in as a child of God. When you walk in, people are going to know you're there. Some are going to dislike that. Some are going to find comfort in it. Praise God. We need to stop being insecure about it. Praise God. It's your room. Everybody say this with me. It's my room. Hallelujah. Praise God. I know that a lot of people think that sounds arrogant, but until you learn the confidence to walk in God like that, you're not going to be able to, be able to affect the people around you because you're always going to be intimidated. You're always going to be, feel, feel bad. You're always going to be offended because of the way people treat you. But when you realize you don't have to put up with them, they have to put up with you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You gotta you gotta walk in with the presence of God. When I when I'm when I'm ministering to people that have no knowledge of God, and whether it's in foreign countries or down at Restoration Connection, when I walk in there, I don't walk in there and and, and sense whether they like that I'm there or not. That's not even part of the equation. The fact is, they're there, I'm there, and I've got a purpose, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. Amen. We're going to take authority over the atmosphere and take authority over the, the place, and we're going to see God work because I didn't come there to find out whether they like me or not. I come there with something to give them, and I'm going to give it to them, and they have a, they have a choice. Do I receive or do I reject? And the love of God is so powerful, it goes past all of that and just breaks their heart, causes them to receive. Why? Because his presence, his, his, his power is present. Amen. And if you'll stop letting things intimidate you, you'll start seeing the product of the Word of God in your life. Amen. That was all just free. I just, I just felt like I needed to give that to you. Amen. Praise God. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them intimidate you. Amen. Be confident, not in who you are, but in who Christ is in you. Amen. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. There's nothing more intimidating than flying into a foreign country where you don't know the culture, you don't know the people, you don't know, you don't know how to communicate with them, you don't know what to say to them, and then get up, get up and begin to preach the gospel to people that you, don't, you can't speak their language, you don't know who they are, that you have no connection with them, and yet the power of God connects and moves through and, and takes control and changes lives, and you see the power of God. It's not your power, it's not who you are, you're just there representing, you're just a vessel, but God is able to do it, amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to calm down and just get focused here. I'm ready. 
ready to go. In, in the, the, the Passion Translation, there's a translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation. I like, I like the way it, it talks about the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It, it, says, it says, the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. The power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Praise God. Woo! We, we need some surging going on. Amen. Praise God. You ever, you ever, had, you ever had something surge through you? I, I've done, I've, that's happened to me a lot of times. As an electrician, I have, had, I have had a lot of electrical surges in my life. And it is amazing what it will cause you to do. Amen. It will it'll, it'll impact your life. <laughs> it will cause you to do some funny things. I have danced, I have, I've danced without wanting to. Because I couldn't get loose from it. <laughs> I've shook. It has an effect on you. The power of God, listen, God, God works in who he is. God is, God is, is light. God is energy. God is power. God, God is, the, he created this world after what he is. And this world operates completely on energy and on, on, uh, energy waves and light waves and photons and, and, and it all works because God called it to work and he made us work. And, and we have to understand that he works that way now. Amen. We, we, need, we need the light of God to shine on our bodies, on our minds, on every part of us because the light of God is what, what causes us to live. You are awash with photons. I mean, just your brain, your heart, it, it just, you're awash with them. That's a, that's a signature of God in your mortal body. If they, if they leave, your body no longer lives. The light goes out. Amen. The light goes out. I've, I've had the sad occasion of being with multitudes of people that, that I've watched the light go out in their life. And that, that is, it, it's, always, it's always like a holy moment. I don't know how to explain it. Because there is a transfer that takes place. Not only that, there are, there are um, what, what, is, what is it I usually call them? Uh, there are uh, attendants that show up. And it, sometimes it is, it is a holy moment. I mean, you, you literally stand there just kind of quiet and speechless because you realize there's something in the room more than you, and, and, and there's, there's a transfer taking place when those people know God. Amen. There's a powerful thing. And whenever we, whenever we understand how God works, how it how surges, we need some surging. We need some presence. As I preached last week, we need, we need the presence of God focused in our life. Healing is, is, is something that a lot of people have been disappointed in, and it's because of our approach to healing. It's, it's because of how we approach this thing. It's, it's, it, we, have this, we have this fantasy about it. We have this superstition about it. But we don't have foundational truth about it. Amen. A lot of us don't even have foundational truth about why we're saved. When I was young in another church that I was pastoring, um, I, I gathered all the young adults in the church together. And we had a meeting, had a dinner and had a meeting. And I sit them all down. And I said, and a lot of them have been raised in church. And I set them all down and I said, tell me, other than how it made you feel, 
tell me how you know that you're born again. None of them could give me an answer. I said, well, give me, a, give me a scripture out of the Word of God that tells me you absolutely know that you're born again. Nobody could give me an answer. And I thought, well, this is where we start. <laughs> and so we begin to teach the Word of God and bring instruction to them into the hearts where they have foundational truth. Because if you don't have foundational truth, then everything's going to manipulate you. Your emotions are going to manipulate you. Your mind's going to manipulate you. Why? Because our minds and our body. You know, I, I tell that when I'm, when I'm ministering to people that are hooked on drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff, I always tell them this one thing. I say, look, your brain is going to fight you every step of the way. You've got to learn to let God lead you. You've got to learn to trust the Word of God because your brain is going to fight you every step of the way. And if you let your brain have control, it'll destroy you because it is fixed on what has been. All you have in your brain is pathways of what has been. But when you have the mind, when you let the mind of Christ work in you, then all of a sudden you begin to get glimpses of what can be. Oh, you're not listening to me. You start hearing what can be. Amen. When I'm ministering to somebody that's lost and bound in darkness and, and, and they see no way out, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to speak through me to those people, it's never about where they've been. It's always about opening the door to let them have a glimpse of where they can go. And when you see that, that hope come alive inside of somebody, you see that glory come alive inside of somebody, amen, somebody that's just totally destitute, their life has been destroyed, they've been manipulated and abused by people, they have no way out, and all of a sudden you see the light come on in their eyes and a smile come across their face, why? Because all of a sudden they saw the glimpse of glory instead of a glimpse of what has been, the darkness of their past all of a sudden goes and they see what can be because God has an option for you. He's got a way out for you. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. Amen. You got a way out. Faith. What is faith? When the Bible says that when he saw their faith, the Amplified Bible says when he, when he saw the confidence when he saw their confidence in him springing from their faith, confident. When Jesus saw the confidence of these men, he responded. He responded. Amen. Now he poked the Pharisees' buttons. God, had, God loves to do that. Jesus did it all the time. He could have took the easy way out. He didn't have to stir. He didn't have to poke the bear, but he, he poked the bear every time. Amen. That's where I get it from Jesus. <laughs> it's not me. It's Jesus. He did it. So that's why I do these things. <laughs> if you got a chip on your shoulder, I'll guarantee you I'm going to knock it off somehow. I don't, you know, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Come on. And, uh, <laughs> If you get triggered, I'm going to pull it. Today it's all triggered. Used to be a chip on your shoulder. Now you get triggered. 
triggered. Well, I'll probably pull your trigger because I, I, need, I need to see what manifests when we pull that trigger because we can cast it out of you or beat it out of you, one or the other. I mean, you know, just... <laughs> Uh, praise God Lord help us Jesus (laughs) confidence when he saw their confidence Hebrews chapter 11 and verse, verse 1 most of us know this verse we can quote it now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen now that's a very strange verse unless you are able to understand how things are made The Bible says that everything that was made was made from that which is not seen. How many understand that? Everything that you can see came from what you cannot see. Amen. Whenever, in order to understand that, you have to understand how creation is and what what we are made of and how things work. And, and the, the weird way that, that the atomic level of our being and of our earth actually works. Matter is what we see, matter is what we experience, but it is made of that which is not matter. Amen. I'm going to try to explain some of this. Faith, now faith is. Now faith is okay that's what we got to get a hold of now faith is confidence faith can be summed up as the confident expectation the confident expectation when's the last time you had confident expectation i'll tell you when when you went out and started your car this morning very few of you unless you've been having problems with it you had confident expectation. You turn that key or anymore, you just poke a button, you know, and, or some, some of y'all even have key fobs. You just, you hit a button, your car starts out there, you know, you have confident expectation. You don't stand there going like this saying, I don't know if it's working. Why? Because you get to the place where you expect it. You expect it to work unless you've got experience that tells you that it doesn't work. When men, Sister Betty was, was first married, I mean, you know, we, we, everybody talks about poor. Well, we, we were poor. I mean, poor, poor. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where all these, you know, everybody says preachers have a lot of money. I, you know, I'm trying to find those guys. You know, I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find that. I'm, I think that'd be great. It'd be wonderful. We were, we were poor, and I had this old 62 Chevy pickup. The battery in it was bad, and in the mornings, I never knew when I got in it, I never knew if it was going to start or not. Sometimes it'd turn over a couple of times, and that was it. Other mornings, it would fire right up. And, and so the mornings that it didn't start, see, I, I didn't have confident expectation in it. I expected that, that it, it was going to be trouble. Just had, I just, and so when it didn't start, I would crank the wheels to the left because we had a basement home and the, we had leveled out a place for a yard and then the bank went off and then it went down a hill to a fence. 
And so when it wouldn't start, I would do what any normal human being would do. I turned the wheel to the left, got out, left the door open, got a hold of the back bumper, and I would begin to shove it toward that bank. And I would shove it over there until the, I could feel the front wheels breaking over that, that four-foot-high bank. And when I'd feel those wheels breaking over that four-foot-high bank, I would turn around and grab the tailgate real fast, and it was going over like this, so it would flip me into the bed of the truck. Worked great, just like a catapult. <laughs> flip me. I'd land on my feet, and while the truck is bouncing down the hill, I'd run and I'd swing around inside the truck, throw it in gear, pop the clutch. It would start. I would slide into the fence, back up, and drive out of there. <laughs> I did this morning after morning after morning. It worked great. Now, I want to ask you something. Where did, what is it that I had confident expectation in? <laughs> I had confident expectation in the fact that as long as the key was on and I had the vehicle in motion and I popped the clutch, it would start. I had to have confidence in that in order to push it over the hill. If I didn't have confidence that it was going to start, it would be silly to push it over the hill because I'd never get it back out. It all depends on what you're confident in. Amen. Faith is confident expectation, and we apply that in our life every day. And we've got to learn to start applying that to God and to the truth of the Word of God that we have confident expectation that it's going to work. Amen. Praise God. Now, some of, some of y'all are going to go out there after church today, and you're going to look at that key and stay. And, and now most of you just jump in it. And you'll think it's supposed to start. I mean, you will, be, you will be just shocked if your car doesn't start. Amen. Because we expect it. All right. I want to read something. This, this little book, this little book sums some, sums some things up. This, this will keep me from going through layer after layer after layer of expectation because this little book, it kind of sums it up. It's uh, from Annette Capps, Charles Capps' daughter, um, called Quantum Faith. And there's, there's some things in here I want to read to you just to help you to under, understand um, where we're going because it, it kind of makes it easier for us to understand. Quantum physics is a realm where the known laws of physics, Newt, Newtonian physics, uh, no longer apply. In classic Newtonian physics, you can repeat experiments using the same formulas and get the same answers and responses that you expect. The experiments are repeatable. You can expect that this is a, the way things work. For instance, when Isaac Newton saw the apple fall from the tree and uh, to the ground, he discovered the law of gravity. You can experiment with gravity all, all you like, and, uh, and it'll work every time. Believe me, it'll work every time. I've checked it a lot of times, and it works. What goes up? And, and gravity is increasing. Did you know gravity's increasing? When I fall off something now, it pulls me down so much harder than it used to. It used to be, you know, used to I'd hit and just kind of, it didn't bother me at all. Now it just kind of squishes me on the ground. Yeah, 
Yeah, gravity, it's, you know, it's pulling us down. That's why some of y'all are bald. It just pulled, it pulled your part apart. You know, just, it's just pulling at us all the time. Amen. My, my chest used to be up here. I don't know what happened. Gravity is always working. And when we, when we understand, you know, we, we come to expect that. You know, because it's always pulling at them. And so the law of gravity seems to be a fixed thing. And it is in our natural realm, in our natural world. But you can explain, you can experiment with gravity all you like, and it'll work every time. What goes up must come down. If you jump off the roof of your house, it will, you will always go down, not up. Praise God, I've done it. In the quantum subatomic arena, there are only possibilities and probabilities. Things don't work like, you, like they should. Nothing is there until you look. Now, this is what I want us to start hearing. Nothing is there until you look. All that exists is only an infinite number of possibilities. Remember, Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believeth, Mark 9, 23. Whereas gravity works, whether anyone is present or not, a tree falls down, not up even if no one observes it. Subatomic particles are not there unless someone, an observer, looks for them. We can't really know what they are doing or even if they exist when we are not looking. It is possible that they are not. 1 Corinthians one twenty eight says that God has chosen the things that are not to bring to not things that are. Have you ever read some of the quotes in the New Testament and just, you know, you just kind of like, <laughs> because you, you don't understand them. Well, it's because God understands how he created this world. And many times when he'd speak through his people, he was speaking in things that, that he created and how he created. And we don't understand that. We don't understand the subatomic level that everything exists and comes forth from. It's just like for years we've thought that, that the earth and all the planets in our, our solar system revolved around the sun, that the sun was fixed and, and all the planets revolved around it. Let me freak you out. That is not true. The sun is actually racing through space at a high rate of speed, and it is dragging all the planets with it in a vortex. We are right now being drugged through space at a high rate of speed by the sun, and our planet, our earth is, is rotating around the sun, but it's in a vortex, not a fixed pattern. And so all of our planets, all of our solar system is racing to get somewhere. I don't know where we're going. I don't know why it's going, moving like that. I don't know why, why we're not you know, colliding into stuff. But the sun is racing through the universe at a high rate of speed, and it's dragging all of the planets. We are in a rotation, but it's not a rotation around a fixed object. It is a rotation of, it's more like a vortex, like a tornado. The sun is pulling us and, and our, all the planets are going like this. It's like we're all being sucked down the drain, you know, just, that's kind of, kind of how it is. And, and so we're racing through space. We don't know that. We didn't know that until we could start seeing things a little clearer. We started seeing was not obvious and now we see it as obvious and we're starting to understand and learn some things and, and it's beginning to come obvious to us. Are you, are you freaked out now? 
thinking, oh, goodness, I thought this thing was just fixed. So it, it is. It, it's amazing the timing and, and everything, everything's still working great. And yet, and yet we are, we are going through a vortex and we are being sucked. You know, God is so amazing. The creation is so amazing. It's beyond our infinite understanding. We have come a long ways from flat earth mentality. Well, some people haven't. <laughs> Lord help us. There are some still out there to believe it's a flat earth. I have flown the circumference of the earth. I've been all the way around it. I've been around it several different ways, and, and, and it is round. I can promise you it is round. The, the, way, the flight patterns are not straight. The flight patterns are in a curved state. In order for us to get from here to England, we have to fly up over Greenland and, and Iceland and come back down. Why? Because the earth is round, and we have to fly the circumference of the earth. Amen. And God created this thing to evolve, and, and work. And, and that, if that don't freak you out enough, we get down to what I'm talking about now, the quantum level and, and the atomic level where, where everything that is supposed to be matter is not matter. And everything is moving and has possibilities and probabilities. And it's the realm of God where all things are possible to them that believe. And with, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Why? Because God created this thing. And then God's realm, there's possibilities and probabilities. Nothing is fixed. Nothing is absolute. He he can change anything anytime he wants. That's why we believe in an almighty, most high God. And that's why we have faith is because God is not stuck like we are. The realm of God is constant possibilities and probabilities. Read it in the New Testament. We read stuff and, and, it, and it blows our mind. It's like, I don't understand that because it doesn't fit my fixed mentality. The wisdom of the world does not work with the wisdom of God because the wisdom of the world is the observation of that which is fixed. But the wisdom of God is the observation of that which is possible, that is not fixed. Praise God. Let me read just, just a little bit more of this. Whereas gravity works whether anyone is present when a tree falls. Yeah, I read all that. If a man speaks in the woods, is he still wrong and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> My answer to that is only if he answers the question that the wife posed as a, as a statement instead of a question, and he goes and the answer is no longer necessary. <laughs> we can't really know what they are doing or even if they exist. Okay. I could go into a long dissertation on that, but... Then you'd know how my brain works, and I don't want to reveal that. Some of y'all found out on Facebook between me and Mike. We, 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 we deep dive into dark holes sometimes in the, in the uh, subatomic level. How can a thing not be? The Scripture makes no sense at all until you bring it down to the atomic level. All things are made of atoms, which are made of subatomic particles. These particles are not really particles because they exist only in a state of possibilities until someone observes them, at which point they appear as a thing, a particle. I know this is confusing. If that sounds crazy, then read Hebrews 11.1. 1. She goes, goes into Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and the evidence of things not seen. You can't really understand that until you understand how how the creation really works. It does not work in matter. It works in subatomic level that, that causes matter to be. Amen. Y'all totally understand what I'm saying, I can tell. When you begin to realize, have you ever, when, when our little granddaughter was born, little Lindley, every time a baby's born, I am absolutely in awe and amazed that all of those particles found their way to the right place. How does it do that? Because they are assigned. They receive an assignment. And as they receive an assignment, particles become an ear, which could have been a nose or could have been a tongue, but they were assigned to the ear because it's all just particles. When we die and you plant our bodies in the ground, those particles don't disappear. They go back to dust, and then they become grass and trees and, you know, stuff like that. The particles are just simply reassigned. See, you got to understand, God created us in form and in matter, but he reserves the right to operate in a realm of nothing but possibilities and probabilities where he can change things. Amen. If God wants me to go up instead of going down, I can overcome the law of gravity. Because it's no longer a law because the creator has, has, has stepped in. Amen. When Jesus walked on water, what happened? How did that happen? Well, everything's particles. And so everything's probable. And so when Jesus stepped out on the water, probability became possibility, and possibility became absolute. And when he stepped out on the water, the water became solid matter. Why? Because the creator of all things reassigned it. It might be water to us. It might be unstable to us. But when the creator needs, has use of it, it becomes whatever he wants it to be. And when he stepped out on the water, the water became solid matter that supported him. Why? Because he is the creator that dwells in the infinite possibilities of his creation. And everything can change when God gets involved in it. Amen. Peter, he told Peter, you know, come on, come to the water. Peter stepped out and he started walking on the water. Why? Because God was assigning, he told him to come. So he assigned the water under his feet to do what the water is doing under his feet. And then all of a sudden, Peter got his eyes off Jesus, the creator of all things, the one that reassigns particles and, and reassigns creation. And he got his eyes on the waves. He got his eyes on that, which is, was coming at him. He got his eyes on that, which is fixed in his mind. That water is not stable. And all of a sudden, it began to sink. And he cried out to Jesus, save me. And Jesus reached down his hand and pulled him back up. And all of a sudden, the water underneath him became stable again. Why? Because he got back in the, in the realm of the creator. 
There's some things that are missing from our faith. Whenever, whenever you look at, a, at an atom, it's got that little thing spinning around it. You know, when scientists, when they, when they actually see it, it's got this little thing spinning around. Did you know that doesn't become a thing until they look at it? It's just energy. It's just energy. But when they look at it, all of a sudden this little dot appears and it becomes a thing. See, things aren't going to happen until your faith begins to look at it. You've got to get to where you can see it before your faith is able to grab hold of it. You begin to see what does not exist through faith and all of a sudden it becomes matter. It's created. Why? Because we serve a creator God. I know, I know this is blowing some of y'all away, but I'm trying to give you somewhere to come to. I found out a lot of times I have to preach way off. I have to preach way over here to get you to hear. Amen. Because I have to give you so, I have to make you hungry and give you somewhere to go to. I have to get you to investigate this thing and start looking at it because God is an awesome God and he has given us amazing things. I want, I want us to understand in this, in this story we're talking about, there's two things that were absolute. Number one, Jesus was there. And he had a reputation. Number two, the power of God was present. The power of God was present. Now, a lot of times we quote the verse that we know that God is here because we're two or three are gathered, he'll be in our midst. Have you stopped lately to make sure that he's present. See, a lot of us squelch our faith by walking in man's ability, believing God's going to somehow intervene. If we haven't took time to be in God's presence, it's, it's very likely his presence isn't going to be with us. And then we pray prayers like his presence is there and it's not. And disappointment sits in. There's two things that hinder our faith today. Well, there's a lot more than that, but I want to deal with these two things. One is inspiration, and the second is desperation. Inspiration is a place to start, but inspiration will not get you a miracle. Inspiration will only last as long as the feeling lasts, and then faith leaves when the feeling's gone. Okay? Learn it, trying, to, trying to function through inspiration will cause you to be bipolar in your faith. One day you will be discouraged and depressed and don't believe anything's going to happen and then you'll get inspired and you'll become manic believing you can work miracles all in a matter of hours but that is inspiration inspiration is contingent on your emotions on your feeling it is not foundational truth it is not power it is merely inspiration. Motivation is awesome, but you got to do something beyond the motivation. 
You can get so motivated that you're ready to do something right now today and walk out of here and fall flat on your face. Why? Because motivation is not power. Motivation is just something to start you. But you've got to have something more than motivation. You've got to have something more than inspiration. Inspiration is great. I love to be inspired, but I also know that inspiration is not going to carry me through to the answer. Because in a few days, I'll probably not feel real inspired when the battle has drained me. When, when the pain hasn't left. When the problem is still there. My inspiration has a tendency to leave. And then I start saying, God, I don't know why you're not doing this. What are we talking about? God, I was so inspired and I believed you. And, but now I don't believe you because you didn't show up. And now I want to question you as to your loyalty to me. And the second one is desperation. Desperation. You cannot build a house in a storm. A lot of our faith waits until there's a tragedy or a desperation, and then we start trying to believe God. I'm not telling you not to reach out to God when you're desperate, but I'm telling you that it's going to be hard because all of your emotions, your brain, your body, everything is going to be against you at that moment. And if you don't have a foundation already built, then it's going to be more than you can take because you're going to be trying to push through this with mental ability and emotional stability in a time where you are emotionally unstable and mentally unstable. Tragedy is not a good time to try to start living by faith. And yet many of us don't become motivated to really press in with God until a tragedy comes. And when that tragedy comes, then we want to start building our faith. I got to tell you something, life's going to suck every bit of faith you've got out of you. That's where you got to have people around you. You got to build community. Because in times like that, a lot of times you can't do it. So you need somebody that's not hurting to help you stand when the time that you're hurting. Because when you're in pain, it's really hard to, to rejoice and say, oh, God, I know everything's all right. I know you're healing me. I'm, a lot of times you're going, oh, you know, somebody else needs to be standing there saying, I rebuke this in Jesus' name. That's where community comes in. Amen. Faith joined together becomes strong. The three chords uh, cord is, is not easily broken. When you, when you link together, then there's strength there. And we can stand through this thing. Amen. There's times that I can't press through, and, and, but, but, I, but people help me press through. Amen. I couldn't talk this morning hardly at all because for some reason I had, I had a... A um, allergic reaction yesterday. Ever since I got bit by whatever it was that bit me out in Connecticut and swelled my face up and swelled, you know, par paralyzed my my 
my voice, vocal cords and all that kind of stuff and, and finally got over it. But ever since then, I've been having these allergic reactions on them. I've been allergic to anything. And, and so I had one yesterday after we got through moving Mike and, and Becca and my throat all of a sudden started swelling shut. And, you know, I had to, I had to press through that and, and, and Betty, you know, trying to get Benadryl down me and, and I got all right, but I showed up here this morning and, and I was so hoarse. I, I couldn't hardly talk. And I told brother Steve, I said, man, I, you know, I had allergic reaction. I don't know if my voice is going to, is going to hang in there today. And, and so at, before church, when we were doing worship, when worship over, Steve come back and said, man, I apologize. I meant to pray for you this morning. And so he prayed for me, prayed for my voice. And guess what? I got some voice. I'm talking. Amen. Why? Because somebody else stepped in and helped my faith to grow and helped me receive something that I needed. Amen. We've got to stop trying to do this thing in desperation by ourselves. That's why we got a community. That's why we have a church. That's why we, that's why we gather together. We strengthen one another. Amen. I mean, this guy that was paralyzed had four people, not eight, four people that picked him up on his bed and carried him to where the answer was. They got him in the presence of the healer. They couldn't even do it themselves, but they had a mission. They said, we know where the healer's at. We, we know where Jesus is at. We know where the presence of God is present to heal. And if we can just get him in that presence. And so they, they, they couldn't get in. They went up, tore the roof off, and let him down with ropes right down in front of Jesus. They wasn't desperate. They meant business. There's a difference between being desperate and being driven by faith. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Not their inspiration, not their motivation, and not their desperation. Did you know God does not heal you because you're desperate? He heals you because he's God. And faith touches him. There has to be an avenue of faith for the miracle to flow through, the healing to flow through. We have to be able to receive. There's been a lot of injuries that I've had over the years that, that I had a hard time overcoming, but then, then the healing came. And during that time, I, I, developed, I began to understand that I could not go through my days saying, oh, God, I'm hurting so bad. Why haven't you healed me? No. I refuse to talk to God like that. I refuse to say faith, declare faith one minute and then question his loyalty to me the next. But instead, I'd, I'd say, God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that I'm healed. Thank you that I'm healed. Amen. Thank you that I'm healed. Praise God. And sometimes that takes a while. We just... You know, you just got to keep pushing through it. Keep pushing through it. Keep building your faith. Keep receiving from others. Keep pushing through it. 
was it last year, two years ago, that I couldn't hardly even walk because something had happened to my knees. Both of them, both of them got so bad I couldn't hardly walk. Pain, I mean pain. I was intense pain just to walk, to try to move. And, and they, were, they hurt so bad. I would wear braces on my knees with those metal things in the sides. And, and that's the only way I could walk. And, and I worked every day. I mean, I went to work. I, I, you know, there's no excuses. You just, you got to push through it. You got to do it. And I went to work every day. And I would have to, when I'd, I worked down below the decks of those docks a lot. And so to get down, I would, I would go over the two by two uprights, metal posts that hold the roof up. I would go over and get hold of one of those and I would start bending my knees and trying to, and I would slide down that thing to get down on my knees so that I could crawl over and work. And then to get back up, I'd have to crawl back over and I would, I would have to pull myself up a little time. It was painful. The pain was just excruciating all the time. I'd get up here and preach, and the whole time I was preaching, I'd be hurting so bad that I, I couldn't hardly think because of the pain was so intense. And, and I was praying for God to heal me. Betty was praying for God to heal me. And then I got this bright idea in the middle of all that that I'm going to ride my Harley to California. <laughs> what could go wrong? I can't hardly stand up, but I'm going to ride a 1,000-pound bike. All the way to California. Betty asked me before we left, she said, can you even hold this thing up if it starts to fall over? I said, yeah, I got it. <laughs> we took off. And the first, first few days, I thought, oh, God, what have I got myself into? Because I, there was no place I could put my feet or my legs that I wasn't in just an intense pain. It felt like somebody had a vice on my knees just cranking down on them. They just hurt and hurt and hurt. And, and we rode for 3,000 miles like that with just intense pain. And any one of those days, I could have said, God, I don't understand why you're doing me like this. I don't understand why you're not healing me. I never one time uttered those words. Why? Because I love God. He loves me. I'm not going to question his loyalty to me. Because I know that it's always on my end. The problem's always on this end. And I kept saying, God, thank you. Just kept claiming it. Just declaring over my life. Every day on that trip, Damon and Betty was with us. And every morning they would pray for me on that trip that God would heal my knees and God would give me strength. And, and we did that for over 3,000 miles. And we ended up at Bethel Church out in California. Some of y'all heard Bethel Church where Bill Johnson's at. We ended up there for Sunday morning service. And I went in there and, and I had it in my head that I'm gonna, I'm, at the end I'm going to go up and have them pray for me. You know? And because and the pain, I was, I was getting to the point where this pain was just wearing me out. And I'm, I'm, I sit down because I couldn't stand up during worship. And I, I kept thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have them pray for me. And as I was sitting there, I thought, you know, everybody's been praying for me. Those prayers are going to be answered. They are not just hot air out in. Out in they, to do nothing. Everybody's been, people have been praying for me. And I stood back up, got back on my feet and stood up. And I said, God, I'm not going to have these people pray for me because there's been people around me praying for me with faith. And I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to stand. And I just stood up, just begin to worship God. 
just begin to lose myself in worship and just praise his name. And next thing I know, at the end of the service, I thought, man, I'm not hurting as bad. I'm not hurting as bad. And the next 3,000 miles that we rode, it got better and better and better and better until today I'm standing here and I can't tell you that I'm in any pain right now. Why? Because God's a healer. And he works, but we've got to stop this inspiration and desperation mentality when it comes to faith. Amen. I'm going to have to shut this down. Thank God. Whenever we understand that God is almighty, we are not. We have to learn how to receive from him, not try to get God to do something. If you're trying to get God to give you something, you're still missing the, th- the picture. It's learning to receive of what he's already done, already. Praise God. I don't ask every day, God, are you going to save me? Are you going to forgive me of my sins? Why? Because I believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be in the remission of my sins and redemption of my sin. It says so in the first chapter of Ephesians that, that we are redeemed by the blood of, of, the, of Jesus. And, and I believe that. I believe that he forgave me of my sins when I asked. I believe that the blood of Jesus is my salvation. I don't ask him every day if he's going to save me. I accept it. I accept it as a done fact. Now, I repent every day. Because I'm a human being and I know that even, even on my best days I repent because I know I surely done something wrong. I missed something. I didn't do something. I don't understand why people have a problem repenting. Asking God to forgive me. I do it all the time. I do it every day. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my rebellion. Forgive me of my stubbornness. Forgive me of the things I missed. Forgive me of the things that I didn't do. Forgive me of the things that I did do. I go through that. That doesn't mean I'm not saved. It just means that I have a relationship of honor with God, and I want to maintain that honor. The things we have need of have already been provided. It's just that we got to be able to receive it from God. See, I don't know how I don't know how all that worked. I don't know why when I stood up and praised the Lord out in California, I, I don't, you know, I gotta tell you something. I love Bill Johnson, I love Bethel Church, but I've been there several times and and, and the presence of God isn't any stronger out there than it is right here. I'm not I'm not discrediting, I'm not I'm I'm just saying God's here. His presence is here. If we want him, he's here. Amen. Stand with me if you would. But whatever we have need of, whatever we have need of, I know I went a little long right now and some of y'all clock ticked and and you you feel like you need to eat lunch. Just rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. Say stomach, come under submission right now. Because the things we have needed, listen, what we're going to do today is I want you to just clear your mind, get rid of all the stuff, get rid of all the questions, get rid of all the requests. 
And I don't want to just lift our hands toward God today and say, God, I know you're everything. I know you have everything I need. And I just open my heart, my mind, and I just receive from you right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I receive from you right now.